If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Truth in My Days podcast is sponsored by the Truth in My Days ministry. Welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Today's sermon, Coming Attractions. So, you must certainly be aware by now that Russia invaded the sovereign nation of Ukraine on February 24th. Now, everyone expected that the Russian military would seize the capital, Kyiv, and subdue Ukraine in a span of a few days, but that didn't happen. And as we speak today, the Ukrainians armed by Western nations are putting up a much better fight than was expected. An increasingly desperate Russian dictator and President Vladimir Putin then shot the world by putting his nuclear forces on high alert, raising the risk of a World War III, this one to be fought with nuclear weapons. Well, you know what that means. It causes some Christians to think that the end of the world is near and Jesus' return is at hand. And that all this has been prophesied all along in the Bible. Most commonly, the passage they point to is Ezekiel 38, which speaks of an invasion by a certain Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Rosh, Russia, get it? Sounds very similar. And for good measure, Gog is the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And Meshech, of course, is Moscow, and Tubal, of course, is Tobolsk. So prophecy is clear. Russia is going to invade. Now, supposed to invade Israel, not Ukraine, but we'll overlook that for the moment. I will point out that this is, in fact, not the first time I've heard this prophecy applied to Russia. Back in the 1970s and 1980s, the Soviet Union, the USSR, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which was essentially Russia and its captive states, was the communist superpower. It was much larger, much more powerful than Russia is today. There it is on the map. And they were on a quest to take over the entire world for communism. Many people thought that they were, in fact, unstoppable. Sooner or later, the conquest of the world was assured. And so certainly... Ezekiel 38 had to be prophesying about Russia. This particular book here, written by Hal Lindsey, he made that claim. And this book caught the attention of the world, the late great planet Earth that laid out how everything was going to happen in the end times, how Russia was going to invade Israel as foretold in Ezekiel 38. This book was actually the best-selling book of the entire decade of the 1970s, other than the Bible. 
And everyone knew this house, how things were going to unfold. The problem is, and very suddenly in 1989, beginning with Hungary, the Soviet Union precipitously collapsed. Its empire came to an end. And they looked like they're going to become a democratic nation. And somehow they just didn't fit the bill of being the end time threat anymore. And so we needed a new villain for our end time scenario. So our prophecy wonks looked around, looked who's, who's becoming powerful, who could you possibly sit into, fit into the prophecies? And they fixed on the European Union. The European Union, yep, they're, they're the end time bad guys, you see. They're the ones the prophecies point to. But eventually these nations show themselves to be toothless, economically powerful, militarily a joke, so to speak. And I didn't quite fit the bill. And our prophecy experts who told us it would be Russia, and then without blinking an eye told us, that, no, no, it's going to be the European Union needed a new villain. And that new villain, of course, was China. Yep, prophecies are very clear. It's China. And the problem is then Russia showed itself not to be all that democratic, looks to be making trouble again. And Russia's invaded Ukraine, put its nuclear forces on high alert. So we're back to Russia again. And once again, our prophecy wants to tell us, yep, we're right all along. It's Russia. But it's kind of hard to know. It's kind of hard to know how these end times are going to unfold then. Question is, what can we know? There are things we're guessing at. But there are things we can know. Christians are wondering about that. Well, the Bible does actually say quite a bit about this. But what it says is spread out. Spread out among the many books of Old Testament prophecy, the book of Revelation, which is highly symbolic. And so I think the best place to start, if we want to look at what's coming, is with Jesus' own words. When he was asked about the end times by his apostles, it's a passage in the Bible known as the Olivet Discourse. And it's called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus and his apostles were on the Mount of Olives. He sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So this discourse in response to those questions Jesus delivered on the last week of his time on earth last week before his crucifixion. It's also in Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21. We'll look at the account in Matthew 24 in detail. It goes from verse 1 to 31. Let's quickly read through it. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, "When tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. 
And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is there, the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That, folks, is what we have ahead of us. The question, of course, is what we are to make of all this. Well, there are several points to note, and we start at the very beginning. The disciples ask him, what will be the sign of your coming? The culmination here, the thing, first thing they're looking for is Jesus coming. And what is this referring to? I mean, Jesus is there with them. So what do they mean by his coming? Well, the reference is to what we know as the second coming, also known as the parousia. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's Matthew 24, 31. We see this fleshed out a bit in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. And this is when Jesus, after 40 days, has ascended to heaven in the sight of his apostles. And we read, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. We see it discussed in the, in the epistles as well. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 17, we read Paul writing 
to the Thessalonian church. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, which is a euphemism for dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So we see here that Jesus will return. He will descend from heaven to gather his people, and that will be the end. And so this is what Jesus is addressing in the Olivet Discourse. But our question is, what happens between now and then? So let's look in detail the things that Jesus had to say here about that. Notice this huge emphasis he makes on false prophets, false teachers. They will be there at the very beginning. It's the first thing he mentions. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And he warns again, some things happen. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And then again, more things happen. But again, there's that warning from Jesus. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or there, do not believe it. For once again, false Christs and false prophets will show up to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So they will try to deceive even the elect and will do so if we allow them to do so. There's no guaranteed perseverance of the saints. You need to be on your guard so as not to be misled. And notice Paul's warning here in his farewell address to the elders of the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20. For this I know, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. As Paul warned, some of these false teachers come from the outside and some from inside the church. There are people that we, we consider false teachers, false prophets like Joseph Smith, and indeed they are, and Charles Taze Russell, but there are people inside the church, and more and more now, teaching heresies, teaching errors, and misleading people. And so we have to keep our eyes open to both places, both what's coming from outside and what's rising inside, people inside the church speaking perverse things. And by perverse, I mean twisted and wrong and corrupted things. Now, we have had this throughout history. I could show you this list here, this list of names. And I could ask you if you recognize them. And I think most of you could not recognize them. Only the people who've seen it before, people to whom I've shown it before, would recognize them. And this is just a partial list. These are all people through the ages who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. They were all fake. They all died. Nobody follows them anymore. And this is just a partial list. There actually have been over 50 through history. You know, a few that were significant and historians know them, but they have no followers today. The only one is Jesus. Many false prophets, many false Christs through the ages. And it just keeps going. And it seems to be accelerating. These are false religions started just in America in just the last couple of centuries. You can see a whole long list there, Unitarian Association, Unitarian Universalists, 
the Mormons, New Thought Science, Unity Church, Science of the Mind, Spiritualism, Christadelphians, Jehovah's Witnesses, the Theosophical Society, here are some more, Rosicrucian Fellowship, Scientology, Branch Davidians, Ekinkar, Heaven's Gate, here in just in China now. These are the ones listed officially, named cults posted on Chinese government website. Out of the 14 that are named, 12 of them claim to be Christian. And these are just the ones that they've listed. I'd expect there are many others. And so that false Christs, false prophets, that, folks, is certainly in place. You need to take this seriously. There are many false teachers out in the world. And yes, many are supposedly evangelicals who are teaching perverse things. So false teachers, what else? As we continue through the of a discourse, we see wars and rumors of wars. And now with this Russian invasion of Ukraine and the the possibility that will escalate, that's what we're focused on. But wars have always been with us. And as Jesus says, don't be worried about that. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Wars by themselves do not mean the end is near. If wars meant the end is near, then the world should have ended long ago. Then we have famines, pestilences, and pestilences are pandemics and epidemics. And when we have COVID going, people say, I'll see, maybe this is a sign of the end times as well. Earthquakes, natural, so-called natural disasters. Not always natural, famines are are often man-made, but we have these so-called natural disasters. And again, These are always there. And that's why Jesus says all these are the beginning of sorrows. Not the end times. It's just part of the beginning. Then he says there will be tribulation, persecution of Christians. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. He talks about lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. That's something we're seeing in our societies as well. But these two have been ongoing from the time of Christ to now. And then in verse 14, it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. So a worldwide dissemination of the gospel, and then the end will come. So getting to the point of the end, he warns of the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, which will lead to A great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Terrible tribulation, worse than anything that's happened so far. And believe me, if you know history, there have been some pretty bad ones throughout history. So when we read this, it's good to remember what we saw in other sermons, that that even in the midst of terrible disaster, God can deliver his people. Even in such terrible times, not necessarily to take them away from it, but to protect them through it. With the tribulation, there will be a last stab of the false Christs, the false prophets. Especially when you're looking, watch out for these. If they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms. These are people who teach secret second comings of Jesus. Yeah, he came back, he just didn't see them. Joe's witnesses were famous for this because they prophesied that Jesus would return and the world would end in 1914. 
It didn't happen. And the 1915 didn't happen. 1918 didn't happen. And finally said, yo, oh. yeah, they, had to, they had to cover themselves. And I said, yeah, yeah, he came back. You just didn't see it. He came back secretly. The Millerites back in, in the last 19th century, same thing. They were predicting Jesus would come back. He didn't come back. I said, oh, well, really? Yeah, yeah, he came back. But invisibly, see, he's just moving from one room in the heavenly temple into another room to start pouring through people's records to see who's worthy of eternal life. The Eastern Lightning sect now in China. Said, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus came back. He just kind of missed it. He's over there. He's living there in China now as a, as a Chinese woman. So I guess they, they went to transgender before the rest of us. But what Jesus says is the second coming will be visible worldwide. Everyone will see it. There's no secret second coming. It'll be visible worldwide and to all people. What next? Well, next there will be astronomical signs among the celestial bodies. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heavens. Powers of heaven will be shaken. Then after that, then the actual physical bodily return of Jesus. You will gather together as elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What happens after that? Well, Jesus doesn't tell us. We can jump ahead to the book of Revelation chapter 20 to find out what happens after, assuming this is not symbolic. What happens is Satan is bound for a thousand years, and Jesus reigns visibly on earth for this thousand years, and we will reign with him. And this period we call the millennium, thousand years. And then there will be the final judgment, and they're followed by a new heaven and a new earth. So... This is what Jesus says. It's helpful to put it together in a chart. So I think we see something that we kind of miss because we, we try to make sequential lists of these things. But when we actually make a chart of what he said, this is what we see. We see that, that those things he described are ongoing events. They're all ongoing events, false teachers. We see them coming all along, the entire period from Jesus to now. The disasters, the wars, the rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, they've been happening all along. Persecution of Christians, they've been happen that's been happening all along. Evangelism, that's been happening all along. So these are not actually sequential events. These are things that are all going, all going. At what point does Jesus say, then the end will come? It's here. This is the dividing line where the world is reached with the gospel. Does this gospel kingdom will be preached in the entire world, and then the end will come? And it's after that that we see sequential events, discrete sequential events, the great tribulation, the celestial signs, and then the coming of Jesus. Okay? That's what we see in the chart. The summary of what he taught, we see mainly ongoing events, a triggering event, and then straight into the great tribulation. What do we not see here? We do not see anything that would be considered to be a rapture, any sort of rapture. And the rapture is an idea that was invented in the 19th century by J.N. Darby, became very popular in some circles of the evangelical church, became dominant in some circles. And that's the idea that there will be a, a secret pre-second coming, second coming of Jesus. He's going to come back secretly and snatch up all of the believers into heaven with him. Why? Well, so that they don't have to undergo the great tribulation. God wouldn't allow his people to suffer, right? And you think that's something that 
could only be believed by Christians in North America because in the rest of the world, Christians are suffering terribly, many, many places. But that's, that's this idea. We have books about it, that whole Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye, popular movies like A Thief in the Night. We have this kind of bumper sticker, and these people believe it. Warning, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. The idea is that just suddenly all the Christians are snatched up, and some of them are driving cars at the time, and suddenly these cars are unmanned, and they crash into things and make mistakes. They're worried about what will happen to their pets when this happens. In case of rapture, please care for my pets and find Bibles inside. We're not, we're not taken by aliens. We, the missing, are with Jesus now. So that's this idea of the rapture. But if you look at this summer from the Olivet Discourse, you're not going to find a rapture. It's not here. It's not elsewhere in the Bible. What you do find at the end of the Olivet Discourse is Jesus saying, he who endures to the end will be saved. So once again, that message you have to hold on. You cannot abandon your faith even when things go bad. And the other thing that Jesus says repeatedly, and the New Testament says repeatedly, be ready. Jesus told parables about that. Parable of the wise and foolish virgins. He said he comes as a thief in the night. And Paul tells us this, that sounds we're not of the night, that this day should take us by surprise. The thing is to live in such a way that you will not be ashamed when Jesus returns. The main goal is not to spend all these countless hours of thought and spilling gallons of ink trying to figure out when exactly this is going to happen. Because we might all be here when it happens. Some of us may not be. Maybe none of us will be. We're all going to reach a point, though, where we move from this life into the next. And we're going to have to give account to Jesus for what we did. And so always live in such a way that if Jesus comes back tomorrow, day, or next week, or next year, whenever it is, you will not be ashamed when he comes. That he will be able to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Be ready, folks. We don't know when he's coming back. We'll be here until he returns. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. If you like our content, please share this information with family and friends. It helps us a lot. We also would love to hear from you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Truth In My Days as one word again. Truth In My Days as one word. No spaces in between. Or reach us by email at info at truthinmydays.com. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.